Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult. Be sure to follow the link in the description after today's episode for more information about today's article and to claim CME credit. This podcast is brought to you by PrimeMed. Grace, 64, is about to leave your exam room when she asks you about walking. I've been walking for years, she says, and I feel great, but my husband claims that without doing real cardio, that it won't help very much. Is that so? Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me this morning is Dr. Jill Terrian, Associate Professor and Associate Dean of Interprofessional and Community Partnerships at the UMass Chan Medical School, Tan Ching Fen Graduate School of Nursing. Hi, Jill. Hi, Frank. Boy, walking's a, a great topic, and there's lots of information and misinformation about it. What do we know about walking steps and health? We all know that physical activity is good for you and that it really can reduce morbidity and mortality, especially in your patients that have multiple chronic conditions, such as cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, or cancer, and that we know that physical activity is associated with a better quality of life. What we didn't know, really, what is the number of steps that is really going to make a difference for you? So before this meta-analysis was published, the dose response of steps to walking And a goal of 10,000 steps per day, I think we all remember that, 10,000 steps to health, was widely promoted as being optimal for general health. It was not based on evidence. It was a marketing campaign from Japan. So there was a gap identified. They said, what is age, sex, volume, and pace or cadence of steps, and how do they all factor in? Okay, I, I agree with you. I have I have read a variety of papers that come up with a variety of different conclusions. What's the current best evidence on how to determine how many steps per day are going to lower your health risks? This was an international meta-analysis, and it had over 47,000 participants over 10 years. And what they did is they divided them into four groups, people that did 3,500 steps a day, 5,800 steps a day, 7,800 steps a day, and those people that were at 10,000 steps a day. And what they did is they compared to the lowest group, the more steps per day, the lower the risk of all-cause mortality. And really how it really got all summed up at the end, for those 60 years and older, it seemed that six to 8,000 steps per day had the best impact on mortality while those in the age range of 40 to 60 years, 8 to 10,000 steps per day had the greatest impact on all-cause mortality. They did look at speed or the cadence of your steps, and it really did not have an impact on all-cause mortality. So walking faster is not necessarily better. And they looked at 40 steps per minute versus 100 steps per minute if you're looking at the speed type, and it really didn't show a difference. You know, I I really appreciate that last point. I think the idea of how many steps per day uh, and what what it correlates based upon age makes total sense. Um, But there are people who are, you know, fast walkers and slow walkers, and there's someone getting greater benefit. This study sort of pushes that aside, and it pretty much says being active improves outcomes. Now, when I and my wife go for a walk, 
we have different ways of tracking. We have different things on our wrist that track our steps. And sometimes, actually almost always, they're off. How, how should we be counting steps or how are they counted in this study? Exactly. They were counted in a varying amount of ways. And this is really tricky. There can be up to a 20% variation in step counters, and it can be fitness trackers, smartwatches, mobile devices, and also where it's worn. And in this study, they had a variety, worn on the wrist, worn on the waist, and worn on the thigh. And it really can affect the accuracy of the step count, but they're very popular, right? So when we talk to our patients about using a step counter, the good news is they're interested. And, you know, who doesn't want a badge? I don't know if you have that type of, you know, step counter that gives you a badge. They reward you for, you know, your daily activity as well as how many times you did it in the week, the month, the year. I actually have a married couple who are in their 50s, and this is a constant point of contention between the two of them because at the end of the day, they will show each other step counts, and it normally throws the other one to try to walk around their family room a few times to see if if they can win. I, I do agree. These are inaccurate, rough tools, but they're not that rough. And if they're motivating all by themselves with or without a badge, I think they're terrific. They're, the risk of getting injured by wearing something on your wrist or your ankle or, or even your waist seems extremely small, unless, of course, you're walking the streets of Worcester, Massachusetts, where the, the, the sidewalks are a disaster. All right. So we, we've got Grace, and she's, she's excited about this, uh, but her husband thinks she needs to be doing something more. What resources can we recommend to her that she can share with her husband? I'm really glad that she's asking about it because she's interested. And I'd want to know a little bit more from her. Walking is great to keep you in good health, Grace, but how much are you walking? So let's have that conversation to quantify it. And how much a week? How far does she go? Does she use a step counter or a device? How does she find time to put this in her week? And what is her plan for bad weather? Now, we know the good weather can be coming, but we do live in the Northeast. So there are some times when walking outside really is not the best. So I would say to her, you know, you may want to go to indoors to a mall. You know, I know there's not a lot of malls that are indoors these days, but there may be some that exist around her. It could be a parking lot that's that's empty. or One thing is, I don't know about you, but yard sales are around and somebody always has a treadmill with a free sign. They always want to get rid of their stuff for free or a very limited price. I'm not a big fan of spending a lot of money on exercise equipment. And so that is another possibility that she could pick up a treadmill on the side of the road that she could use inside in bad weather. Then who are her walking buddies? Does she have any? Could it be her husband? Can she engage friends? And and really have a partner to walk in to keep motivated. I, I could not agree with you more. Having things like a plan on what to do when the weather's bad and having a partner who motivates you and you motivate them are both two things that sort of correlate with improved outcomes with regards to steps. So what's our final points for Grace today? Well, the big takeaway is that We're excited that, you know, she is walking and that walking and exercise can be part of a health-promoting lifestyle. But I also want to know a few more things. We talk about lifestyle. Is there a balanced diet? You know, protein, vegetables, carbohydrates. What What does she eat, like to eat? Is there anything she could change? 
And what does she prefer? Could it be the Mediterranean diet, which everybody is raving about? And all the other health-promoting factors that come into this, such as sleep. Sleep is so important, and attention to stress. And Frank, one point I want to follow up on, like you said, you got to have a plan. I actually put it into my daily routine on my calendar when I'm going to have that free time to do, whether it's a meal prep or it's going to be exercise. Self-care is so important. And if it's one thing that I and many listeners have probably learned, the pandemic really stretched us. So it's very important for self-care. So I'm thrilled that that Grace is doing this. And I want to know, does she have any other goals I can help her with? The good news is she's engaged, walking, and wanting to know more. Jill, thanks so much for telling us today about this new study talking about the optimal number of steps that correlates with a decrease in all-cause mortality. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. Physical activity, like walking 8,000 steps a day, will give most of your patients a lower risk of all-cause mortality. Join us next time when we talk about the influence of relative risk reduction and absolute risk reduction when we consider use of statins for the prevention of cardiovascular outcomes. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim CME credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, follow the link in the description. To stay up to date on the most recent clinical research and news, please subscribe to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine and be sure to check out primed.com for additional CME content.